Welcome back to episode 10 of Hedging Happiness. We have a you know packed episode up ahead. We're going to recap week 9, preview the week 10 games, and we have our first ever college football playoff reveal. As well, we have two special guests on this week in light of the big Tennessee-Georgia game. I'm going to have Luke intro our guest. Luke, take it away here. Yep, so in the orange corner, we have... Tanner Hamill. Tanner, uh, some would say, is a savant of college football, hometown friend, number two in the VFL rankings, Knoxville native, currently living in Knoxville, uh, season ticket holder, um, and just all around, all around vault. And in the red corner, we have Taylor, who's married to my cousin. It's a good description. <laughs> no, we yeah, we thought we'd have them both on. Go ahead, sorry. Yeah, Taylor, he's a recurring guest. He was on last year. Big Georgia fan. First time being back on the pod since the national championship. As a neutral party in this debate, I'm going to give you a little bit of time to congratulate you and have you know your piece, have your saying of you know what it, what that last season meant to you. This is, this is going to well, be the theme for every time we have Taylor on. We're just going to have to let him talk about 2020 or 2021, and it'll be like this for the next 30 years. Well, I, I appreciate that, that intro, Nick. And, Luke, your intro was still pleasant. Uh, I was expecting less, actually. I'm just excited to be on the podcast, y'all. Uh, and thank you for having me back. Uh, I don't know. I think from a, a Georgia fan's perspective, uh, last year was a lot less joy and just much more relief. So, uh, you know, something that probably should have happened at least once in the previous 20 years finally did. Uh, this year, there's probably been more joy at times. It, definitely there was some joy when they won, but also it was just kind of being unburdened, uh, uh, significantly unburdened. So uh, excited to be back. They're playing well. Uh, it should be a great game uh, on Saturday. I know it's going to be a, a wonderful atmosphere and uh, can't wait to talk about it with y'all. See anything you want to? Yeah, anything you want to? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, right. So I, uh, I, uh, I am of, of Luke and our friends. Uh, I think the only actual graduate of the University of Tennessee. Um, so spent four good years there with very bad football. Although I guess we had some okay years, but but really not anything to write home about. Um, yeah, and I'm just happy to be here. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and preface everything that, that Taylor is going to be able to blow me away with uh, stats and things like that. I just, uh, I just see results on the field uh, and am, am ready to, to see a, a, a serious matchup on Saturday. Yeah, I don't think you need to undersell the importance of feel. This, we're a big feel <laughs> podcast. That's what I like to hear. So. Certainly don't undersell that at all because at the end of the day, you can throw out all the numbers and sometimes you you just, you see what you see and and sometimes it feels good. So I do, Nick and Luke, I do have a question for y'all. Last year, out of all of the guests that you had, how many of them went undefeated in their picks? Zero. You deserved, you were the only one and you deserved to come back on the pod for sure. yeah, I, I, I think y'all did give me some, uh, you threw some bones my way the week after. I appreciate that. But I honestly, I didn't know. I figured somebody else at least went undefeated. 
Um, you would think that would happen with only picking three no, or no. four games. But. We've been completely defeated, but we have yet to be completely undefeated. Well, uh, I think we've got... Uh, I was going to say we were all going to go 16-0 and or 12-0, and but I think at least uh, one of all of our picks is going to defer. So uh, maybe the group will be 11-1 and <laughs> after uh, Saturday. That'd be a good way to end the weekend. If the podcast ever went more than... Six and zero, then we would probably retire, <laughs> and that's that's where we stand. But let's um, let's because we have a lot to talk about with this Tennessee Georgia game. Let's recap Week Nine really quick. We had Ohio State at Penn State. Luke, this was one of your two unit games. I think uh, you probably watched it a little bit more closely than I did. Why don't you give? I a did quick recap of it. So there were two things I was watching for as a Tennessee fan. One is just like, how good is this Ohio State team? Assuming that Penn State is respectable. Why they're... can't you just talk about the game? You always have to put it in lens of a Tennessee fan. Like, let's just talk about the game. It's not always about you. Beca- because there are two pieces and both are relevant. Oh, okay. One is the actual game and one was CJ Stroud. And I was curious to see how he was, I've never seen him play this year. And so I wanted to see him play and it happened to be on the road against a decent team. I'll start there, but I would just say, like, very underwhelmed with, like, who, how he is as a quarterback. And I have this theory, and I don't think it's just me who has it, that there are so many Ohio State quarterbacks, maybe going back six or seven, back to Troy Smith, that are just surrounded with excellent talent everywhere on the field and play mediocre competition and so have gaudy numbers and they win Heisman's and they and they get have high draft picks but then when they go to the NFL and are surrounded by talent or are facing talent that's equally as talented on the other side of the ball they they're busts and CJ Stroud looks every bit as that I saw I was watching during the game the live future odds of Heisman and he went from favorite against the field to plus 200 and, and then Hendon Hooker or plus 150 and Hendon Hooker was plus 100. So I was just completely underwhelmed with Stroud and I think that makes me a lot less worried about Ohio State. The game though, Ohio State like didn't play well but they turned it on for about three drives where they scored a touchdown, got a pick six, got like a stop and then another touchdown and the game just suddenly was was over and I think the I heard someone else say this and I agree. I think the fear is if Ohio State can play like that for a whole game against good competition, then they have every shot of winning the national championship. But if it's you know the first three quarters of Ohio State, the one that struggles, the one that's behind Penn State, getting gouged, struggling on offense with C.J. Stroud, then I, I, I'm not worried um, about them at all. Yeah, I... I'm not going to go to that extent and and put C.J. Stroud and, and classify him as, like, very underwhelming after after one game. I think he's shown in a year and a half that he's a pretty good quarterback and he'll probably be a top-five pick. He will be a top-five pick, yeah, but why? Like, he he hasn't – like, he doesn't look that great and he plays nobody, like – I think there are a ton of guys you could put in that role as Ohio State quarterback, and they would put up very similar stats. Potentially. I I agree with that, Lou. I I agree with that. I don't know if the list is as long as as, uh, 
all the way back to Troy Smith. I definitely think there were some good ones in between Troy Smith and C.J. Stroud. But they have a great system, and they always have. I mean, Ohio State has the best wide receivers on the roster that aren't even playing compared to any other schools. I don't want to say they necessarily have the best two wide receivers. Tennessee has probably at least one of those. But from a just depth perspective, they have a room full of wide receivers, most of which would start for all but, I don't know, four, five, six other schools in the United States. So, I mean, that is a huge boon for whoever's playing quarterback at Ohio State. Huge. Well, first of all, I feel like yeah, for, I was going to jump ahead, in. I, I feel like we are not giving Cardell Jones, a.k.a. 12-Gage, the respect that he <laughs> deserves. Uh, I don't play school. But, um, no, I agree. I, I don't think – I mean, uh, you know, I, I'll be honest. Uh, I do. I think Bryce Young is the best college quarterback in, in the country, and he's not going to win the Heisman, unfortunately, I don't think, at this point. But, uh, you know, if it was purely based on talent – at the college level. I don't know how he's going to translate given his size to the NFL. I mean, I, he might be a little, uh, I don't know if he's gonna be able to take the hits there, but, um, ultimately, yeah, I think he's the best quarterback hands down. And that's coming from someone who, you know, as much as I love Hinton hooker and, you know, can't say enough great things about him. Bryce young is, is, I mean, he single-handedly can keep them in games where I don't know about other quarterbacks in the country that are doing to that level. Um, uh, you know, Drake may at, at North Carolina is pretty incredible. There's a lot of good quarterbacks I think in the country right now. Um, but yeah, I don't, I don't, I think, I think, um, the Ohio state quarterbacks definitely get the benefit of, of talent around them, you know, kind of how, you know, you could say Alabama quarterbacks in the past have, um, you know, like was Mac Jones really that good or did he have a ton of talent around him? things like that. So I, I would definitely agree with what you're saying, but I also think you're maybe being a little harsh. He's, I've seen him play some, some, some games that were, you know, pretty impressive. So I, I think maybe somewhere in the middle well, is, is where we're going to land. What's his best, what's his best win? Well, as I, I, I was, I was about to say, I don't, I don't know if they have one. And I think the story of Ohio state is, you know, has that defense improved enough to win a national championship it sure looked like it at times on Saturday, but I mean, Clifford is a turnover machine for Penn State. So, I mean, he just, and, and James Franklin did not call a good game. I mean, they had moments where they could have potentially won that game and they just uh, sped up all over the field, but they have not played a talented offense at all. I mean, on their schedule, in my mind, I mean, it's just, yeah, the defense looks better, but they're not playing offenses that can really stress them for four quarters. And that offense obviously looks good, but again, how, how good are the defenses they're playing? I mean, Iowa's defense is, is their offense as well, so they're pretty good. But, I mean, that I think Ohio State is the big question mark. We just don't know how they're really going to hold up against a good opponent because they're not going to have one until probably Michigan at this point. Yeah. I mean, who do they have left in between now and Michigan? I think Michigan State probably, that's, that's it. Who's not having the year they yeah. Yeah. As long no, as they're not meeting. Count them. <laughs> yeah. As long as Ohio State doesn't have to play Michigan State in a tunnel, I think <laughs> that uh, they'll probably win the game. But we'll see. Yeah. So the the debate between Ohio State being good enough to compete for a national championship, in my that's way different than C.J. Stroud being like a, he's in my opinion he's very much a top five quarterback and. 
the the knock on Ohio State quarterbacks not translating to the NFL, that's who cares about that in terms of college football? Because Justin Fields was a pretty pretty good college quarterback who definitely should have beat Clemson in that college semifinal. And that Clemson team was what we thought was one of the better teams we've ever seen just to go up to LSU, but he outplayed that Clemson team. So I don't think like the the jump from college to pro is very, very different. Are you just as Maybe. impressed with CJ Stroud as you are with, were with Justin Fields? I think they're pretty similar. I no think way. Fields, I feel I like think Justin Fields, Fields like Stroud like struggles. Yeah, but keep in mind that was like well, one of the like the most talented quarterback draft classes in a long time. So it was y'all. I mean, look, Justin Fields couldn't beat out Jake Fromm for a starting quarterback position. So I mean. And I'm not a Justin Fields person. He's an incredibly talented college player, and he maybe would have been in a better spot if he hadn't gone to Chicago. But um, I don't know. I think Ohio State, they benefit. Those quarterbacks, I do agree with Luke to some extent, benefit from the talent around them. I don't know if I would have said previously Alabama's quarterbacks benefited from the talent. I felt like until Mac Jones in 2020, their running backs benefited from the talent around them. Because, you know, Derrick Henry, uh, just if you just go down the list of their Heisman Trophy winning running backs over the past 12 years, I think everybody on this call could have put up at least 10 or 15 <laughs> touchdowns behind those offensive lines. And I, I really believe the Heisman should go to the most impactful player, not uh, somebody that's benefiting from all of the talent around them. You know, I would argue this year, Hendon Hooker is a, a much more deserving Heisman candidate, not because of... Uh, the, the numbers he's putting up, but he makes a difference for Tennessee. You know, Alabama would still eke out 10 wins if Luke and I were starting at quarterback. <laughs> Hendon Hooker is, is the engine that makes Why did you not throw Tanner Tennessee. under that? Why did you not include Tanner? Oh, no, in no, any, okay, I mean, anybody, good. anybody, anybody on this call. Um, I was just the first person who popped up on my screen. So, um, Tanner and I, but it's a good debate. <laughs> yeah, it's like, what the heck? <laughs> yeah, 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 Luke and I. Luke and I would lose to South Carolina on the road. We would just blow it. All right. Well, yeah. I, those, I mean, every those are all good points. I mean, I don't – talent, you've got to, to be a good quarterback and to be, you know, a top five team, you've got to have the talent around you. I think every, you know, like I said, every top five team has the talent. But we could go on and on about quarterback play and and whatnot all, all day. But So let's move on to Oklahoma State at Kansas State. I mean, I'm not like I'm a K State fan. They blew them out of the water. I think Oklahoma State was still hungover from their win against Texas. <laughs> I mentioned on the pod. I know I was on Oklahoma State, but I I did preface it with I didn't want to be. They were just my hot team, and K State's a hard place to play. It was kind of a game where they they walked into, th- you know, thinking maybe if they just went about their business, they would take care of business. Oh, that this is Oklahoma State. Completely not the case. I don't think I've seen a top 10 team get their shit pumped in as bad as that. That was one of the worst performances I've seen from a top 10 team in a long time. Yeah, I'd agree. Was it like 35 nothing at half or something? Yeah, and it was against K-State's so-called backup quarterback because Adrian Martinez didn't even play. And that makes it all worse. Oklahoma State has a lot of problems. Defensively, they can't stop anybody. They're, the Big 12 is, is somewhat of a mess, minus TCU, but we'll, we'll get to that in the updated college football you know, top 10. Let's, let's move on from that because that was a blowout. 
another, you know, big game that was, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, Chris Kleinman. Awesome. Yeah, I mean, K-State is a really hard place to recruit to. Just Manhattan, Kansas. It's, I don't know, like an hour and a half away from the airport. So it's really hard to get kids into. So their talent level typically never is top-notch in the Big 12. And yet they're always, you come around this time, and Kansas State's a team that is always being talked about for, for potentially winning the Big 12. So he has done a really good job. And like yeah, I'm I'm glad you pointed that out because he did he does deserve his kudos for sure. But let's talk about Kentucky Tennessee, another blowout game. I know Luke, you were getting into it. Uh, I think it was Friday night on on the Twitter page with a <laughs> lot of people trying to defend Tennessee and everything that you said. You back you backed up. They backed up with a really good performance, and they showed why they are now the number one team in the football rankings. Yeah, I think the big concern around this game that it was that it was going to be a look-ahead game with Georgia coming up this week. But I just thought with the night game, the uniforms, everything on the line, Kentucky's kind of been like a mini rivalry. I I didn't get the look-ahead feeling, and it like from the first quarter, it was or maybe the second quarter, it was like over. Um, but not not a lot to say outside of that, other than the universe has been. Uh, the universe is now in order, and Kentucky is our continues to be our little brother. You talked about C.J. Stroud being potentially really overrated. Can we talk about Levis for a moment? Because uh, if somebody says he is a top ten draft pick again, I'm going to throw my computer out a window. I, I don't understand where this comes from. I guess he's got you know the physical attributes. Does he even? I don't even but, know if he does. Uh, though. I mean. He can, I, I don't know. I don't know. That was one of his worst games ever. I mean, the Tennessee defense had moments where they played really well, but Levis also just was just throwing lobs up to Tennessee DBs. I mean, it was just shocking for someone that uh, is so highly thought of. You and it was surprising. Up at all? I mean, they said his, uh, he had a uh, finger that had been separated, but I don't think it was on his throwing hand. Um, I think, I think he had a was. shoulder injury uh, to – because they had a bye week as well, which is, but I think he had a, uh, a shoulder injury going into the game. But that was crazy. Yeah, I mean, he. Th- my favorite part of that whole game was when Tennessee intercepted him on on a deep route, and Levis like is pointing to the scoreboard like it's going to get overturned. He puts his helmet on, he runs back on the field, and the call st- like his stands are confirmed, and he has to go back off the field. Like the guy is. 
such a punk. He compared. He said that Josh Allen's game is very similar to his. Not that his game is very similar to Josh Allen's. Like this guy is just. I don't know if yeah, he's just awful. got the wrong people around him, but just a super ego, and it, and it permeates through the Kentucky program. So it was great to like see them get well, knocked off. And I, I felt like Mark. I like Mark Stoops. I think Mark Stoops is a good I college agree. football coach. I think he deserves. Uh, I don't want to say a better job because Kentucky's a great job, y'all. If you win eight games, nine games, you're especially set. with the and contract that he just got, where yes. he wins seven, yeah. and I think he gets an extension every year. He wins seven games. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's wild, and it, it's uh, they've got great facilities, great fans, Kroger Field. It's a really nice stadium. They um, they do a good job, but his teams are normally well coached. They don't do stupid things, disciplined. They really got away from their game plan uh, in the middle of the second quarter. I didn't understand. They were running the ball successfully. Uh, the defense was keeping the Tennessee offense in front of them for the most part. I mean, I think it was fourteen to six at one point, and it seemed like Kentucky's. You know, okay. Yeah, they missed that extra point, and they were down eight points, but they had a heartbeat, and you could see if this game went on longer what the plan was. They just, I don't want to say they quit, but, I mean, they get down 21-6, to six, and then it was over. It was over. I mean, it was yeah. over. Um, and, and there was no pulse whatsoever, and that is very unlike uh, a Mark Stoops team. They're normally physical to make up for you know some of the talent shortcomings they have. Which and, the talent shortcomings uh, have been getting smaller – I mean, Kentucky's had yeah. some pretty good recruiting classes in the last couple of years. Yeah. Yeah. It was a, an, a good performance by Tennessee and just a horrible performance by, uh, by Kentucky. Uh, inexplicably bad, particularly from Levis. But uh, I thought the Tennessee defense played really well, though. Uh, they grew up a lot during that game, and uh, it bodes well for them for the rest of the season. It's really... The really good coach talk there, that little phrase. I grew up a lot during that game. I like that. I like that little tidbit. That would be something my brother Mike would say for sure. <laughs> but something I, I'm I'm going to talk about quarterbacks just a little bit longer. Something my brother did say is he, he believes that it's a really bad quarterback class um, despite kind of some of the hype that was really initially preseason. If we put... Let's say a health. We don't really know. There's been injuries. A healthy Will Levis on Ohio State. Like what? What does that look like? Does it? Are they even with? C, is he even with C.J. Stroud? Or what do like? What do you guys think? I think I would say no better than even. Yeah, I would agree. I think even's the ceiling. Even is the ceiling. But okay. like, I, it's impossible to tell. Like Levis is playing with guys that are while Tanner said cap, gaps closing. They're like. Most games they match up, they have worse players, right? Versus Ohio State, who is clearly better players. So, I just don't think their skilled position players are very good at all. Kentucky, especially in the SEC. Yeah. Uh, oh, Barry not. Brown is Rod- legit. I mean, he's a he's a and Rodriguez. Yeah. Is good. I mean, Barry Brown is a. I mean, he's a freshman, obviously, but I mean, he's like a sub ten second hundred meter guy. Like he's very. I mean, he's like, he's like, teams want him to transfer. <laughs> Tennessee wants yeah. him to transfer. <laughs> and I mean, in college, the the way you you can look at it a few different ways, but like if you don't have the skilled positions, it's pretty hard to win. It it just is. You have to be somewhat electric, and that's what Notre Dame has ran into for so long that they just don't have any t- really really talented skilled positions. And if you fly, if you go back in the last ten years, some of their better teams they've had 
better skilled positions than Will Fuller and, and you know, who was the other? Receiver? Claypool. Was Claypool. And so, like, you, you, you have to have those guys to help out your quarterback unless you have one of those ridiculous quarterbacks that we, we don't see very often. But I, I do think it's hard to to tell. You know, like Drake May, he's having an unbelievable year, but they're playing in the ACC, which is a huge difference. And, you know, he's what he's doing as a freshman is really incredible. I'm, ex- I'm excited to see what he can be in a couple years. But I do think, to your guys' point about Ohio State, it certainly can turn a good quarterback into a great quarterback. So... Let's um let's get into the first college football rankings. We have our top four. So if if the season ends today, we would have Tennessee, Ohio State, Georgia, and Clemson in the playoff. And then the remaining to round out the top ten, we have uh, Michigan, Alabama, TCU, Oregon, USC, and LSU. First, let's go with what we think about the top four. Did they, they probably got it right. I know maybe not. Taylor, what are we thinking? I I like everything until Clemson. I, I, I'm not trying to hype up TCU with, uh, you know, ESPN controversy. I, I do think TSU had an argument to be in that fourth spot. They've got some quality wins. Um, Clemson, I really just didn't want to see Clemson in the fourth spot. I think that's the big theme for me here. You know, they, they beat a good Wake Forest team in overtime. But, you know, Syracuse does not impress me that much. Uh, they, they rushed the field after beating Syracuse, too, which I just want to point out for the podcast listeners. That's, that's embarrassing. Um, well, apparently they did, you know, I didn't know this, but apparently Clemson rushes the field after every – is that actually a thing? Yeah. I think they let them on the field, but I don't know if they rush okay. it. Uh, I, I want to do some more research here. This group needs to go, like, In that same in. vein, LSU rushed a field against Ole Miss, right? Yeah, it's also yeah. embarrassing. Like, I mean, LSU's better than that. Yeah. That's, that's, yeah that was bad. But I, I think the big thing is I just don't believe in Clemson. I think the ACC is uh, – all of college football, I think you could say, is down this year. And that's why it's probably been so exciting. But I think the ACC is really down. I mean, really down. When you've got uh, Wake Forest arguably as your second or third best team, you you know, and I, I love the Deeks, but at the end of the day, that's probably – that's definitely not what the ACC envisioned – uh, 15 years ago when they invited Miami and Virginia Tech into the conference. Especially in the current and, environment uh, with, uh, like, conferences beefing up, that's not a good sign for the ACC. No. No. It's it's really not. So, and I think UNC, uh, you know, Clemson will have to play them at some point, it looks like, and I think UNC's a paper tiger as well. So, um, you know, I, Clemson, I think, is the least deserving for undefeated team uh, in, in, I think, every team in this top 10 would beat Clemson at a neutral side. Did you hear the college football playoff chair talk about why TCU was seven and how it's like part of it is because they were having to come back from like being down in games. Like it's like, look from a Tennessee perspective, this is great because they put TCU way down. They like aren't favoring TCU. They aren't favoring Michigan. Like this is, this is where you want it. They put Tennessee at the top with the best resume. But, like, if I'm a TCU fan, I'm, like, livid. And at the end of the day, on who and who makes the playoff, it won't matter. But I heard someone say, like, it, it matters from, like, a recruiting standpoint to say, like, hey, we're in the top four. Or, hey, we were ranked number one. Or 
you know, for even if well, it's for a week, like it can, it, it can affect. It does matter though. It it does matter though, Luke, because like sixty nine percent of the teams that have made the playoff, and I, y'all, I don't actually don't have that statistic written down, so uh, someone can fact check me. But there is a high percentage of teams who have been in the first ranking who have ultimately made the playoff. Yeah, but what you say so, that's I mean, more. I, I think that's not necessarily correlate. Like that's, I would say that's more. You can see the good teams. I mean, like that's true. Yeah. So, yes, I think if TCU wins out, they're obviously going to be in it most likely. I don't see a Big yeah, Twelve uh, undefeated team not being in it. But I mean, I don't. I think. Well, I, I mean, I feel like the rankings went both ways, right? Like. I think the eye test is definitely legitimate. Like you see, you you one, you go into the season, you know who's got the talent. Like we have recruiting websites, we know who's extremely talented. I would say Tennessee is is the outlier there because we're probably outplaying our our talent level. But Ohio State, Georgia, um, Alabama for sure being at six ahead of TCU. Like I think if Alabama and TCU played today, you would have a fairly large spread, right? Like I don't think that's. I agree. Um, but, but that's an outlier because obviously Georgia is a eight point favorite to Tennessee this weekend, and, and the ranking. So it goes both ways. I think. Yeah. I think the playoff committee goes back and forth between you know like strength of what or your resume at the at the moment, but also the eye test, which is a little confusing. But I, I think TCU probably a little disrespect, but at the same time, I don't know that they would be favored against any team ahead of them if they were going to play tomorrow. I do think, though, we're missing one key piece here, and this is the most important thing in looking at TCU's resume. They have Hypnotoad, and to me, I don't know if y'all have seen the Hypnotoad. What's Hypnotoad? But it is, it, is, uh, it is their new, like, third down rallying. Uh, all of the players are wearing the T-shirt. It is the uh, frog, from, I believe from Futurama. It looks like it was just this high futuristic frog that uh, <laughs> they, they plop up on the scoreboard. Uh, and they're merchandising it now and branding it and seeing the coaches wear hypnotoad t-shirts on the sidelines. Uh, I like that they're all pulling into and buying into this uh, branding concept, particularly in the NIL world. But, uh, yeah, TCU, uh, they're going to be one to watch. I do think, though, they could get left out if two SEC teams make the playoff. So, uh, to me, even if they go undefeated, there is a realistic possibility that they could get uh, lopped off no if chance. two SEC teams go in, no chance. I, I don't know. I could see it. I could see an SEC champion. Like, I could see an undefeated. If if Georgia or Tennessee goes into the championship, SEC championship undefeated, and Alabama wins the SEC, I don't see the SEC champion not getting in. And then I also if, don't see if two SEC teams get in, Clemson's getting left out, and TCU goes undefeated. If well, I hope so. Yeah, that's fair. I hope so. Without a doubt. That's fair. Like with without a doubt, because the, but who does TCU have left though? Yeah. that's going to be a big resume. They've gone through the meat of their schedule. Texas. I believe. They have Texas. Who who you have to take their record yeah. out because without Quinn Ewers, they're a completely different team. That's true. That's true. And then so, they, I mean, they, they play. They debate. play the winner. They play the winner, or like they'll win the Big Twelve, which is another game. And so yeah. if you go the teams that they've beaten, they're all still better than the teams Clemson has beaten, for sure. So I think Clemson yeah. would get left out. And if, if that were the case, that would be... It's not a good look the way it stands right now, though, right? Like, they've played the meat of their schedule, and they're sitting way behind Clemson. 
they're they're both <clears throat> gonna play like pretty much cake cakewalks except for Texas maybe and the Big Twelve championship game. So like, are you how do you have them vaulting Clemson at this point when they've played like their hardest teams already? I think they would just because they're. I I I think they would ultimately jump them. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong on that. I do say like to that's why like this point, week kind of does matter. It gives you a glimpse, right, of what they're thinking. Kind, kind of. So when he said like the 69 percent, we'll fact check that. But I think Tanner like they they put the teams that are like the best teams to the eye test. Cincinnati was like we were saying the same thing last year with Cincinnati. They were ranked like seventh or sixth or seventh in the first rankings, and they still make it. You know, so while they do matter, I think that's more of a statistic that should like shows that the college football committee actually kind of knows what they're doing and they put the teams that they think will are the best teams in that top four spot more so than teams that maybe have the best resumes at this point would t would tcu play at this point in time play kansas state in the big 12 championship i think if both teams went out yes. okay so that would be i mean that would yeah. be a pretty big win because Kansas State's other loss is to Tulane. So, yes. and they're not uh, a bad team. No, no, no. Willard Fritz is a good coach. But I, I want to say one more thing about a team up here. I'm not saying this because it benefits Georgia. I think Oregon also has a chance to get in if they go and win out and Georgia wins out. I mean, they have looked – I can't believe Bo Nix and Heisman Candidate are being used in the same sentence. But uh, – just shows you how bad the Pac-12 looked, is. Yeah, but I mean, if they if they go undefeated post Georgia and roll off impressive victories over UCLA, Utah, and USC, um, you know they're going to be in the thick of it. If Georgia wins out, I think that's Oregon's path to the playoff. That will be the situation. That's, a, that's an excited dog we got in the background. <laughs> yeah, sorry about that. <laughs> Who is that's it? Okay. Is that Daisy or is that Wilson? That is Wilson all the way. <laughs> Wilson, I'm sure there will be some uh, some clips of the dog these in the are background. Base, it'll, these are it'll, be hard, it'll be hard to get all of that out. But Based on that bark, what kind of dog do you think Tanner has? That's like a three-pound dog right there. <laughs> it's a hey, he's dog. 11. He's 11 pounds. <laughs> yeah, that's a three-pound dog if I've heard one. Taylor, I, I love that point because I was defending myself as much as I could with this Oregon take. If they went out, I think they have a very good chance of getting in because it, that was a week one loss. Even though they got absolutely destroyed, I think they've shown that they've, they're a much better team than they were in that week one. So I'm happy that at yeah. least someone is agreeing with me. It's I was a arguing loss. with Luke and Mark who, who are, have their blinders on. It's like, and if, or, like if Oregon does point? well, then it's bad for Tennessee. What's the point well, of playing like early? Like, what are we just like going to ignore early games then and just say, like, okay, play whoever you want, lose however bad you want? The first game does not matter, and we will totally exclude it when like looking at your like where you ended the season like i think so they should ha- it they happened. should they should do what tennessee does and, and schedule nobody in the non-conference then no but like you lost 49 to 3 tennessee's not losing 49 to 3 we played they, bama and georgia they, they lost 49 to 3 but they literally went on the road to play georgia in atlanta yeah that's a tough a home game and, and first they didn't even coach. bring a band 
Yeah, I mean, it was it was you were not going to get their best. They were walking into an environment. I mean, these are like forty nine to three is like the headline, right? I know. Like, I, under, I understand I know. what you're saying, but if they played UT Martin and they won that game, they'd be undefeated right now, and we'd be like, oh, this Oregon team might be a lot better than we think. Oregon has to schedule competitive out of conference games, though. That is the difference. No, Whereas, they don't. Yes, if they, they go undefeated. They're in the. They're in the undefeated. Yeah, no, then you're but, talking about them like TCU. But in, in this scenario, yes. they, they, they need Clemson, and you've got to have TCU lose. Oregon doesn't get in with, with other undefeated teams in major conferences. I don't see it. Uh, yeah, I think you're right. It's like I TCU. So they don't control their own destiny. They would need a lot to happen, including, so, I think, a two-loss Alabama. And it, so, I will say it's set. You say they if they went undefeated, they'd get in, and I actually agree with that. Because I think the committee is desperate to put a Pac-12 team into the playoff again at some point. Yeah. I mean, literally, I think ESPN is literally begging <laughs> a Pac-12 team to play competent football for three months. And we just... Oregon's going to be the closest to doing that, yet they had one one week one loss that was really bad. And uh, it's ruining it. So hypothetical here, and we'll move on to the Week 10 games, but let's say Oregon did schedule a cupcake that Week 1, and they won. If they went 12-0, 13-0 with Pac-12, there's no question they would be in the football playoff, right? There's no question. Because they, be. they would still have enough pretty good wins with USC, Utah, and UCLA. Unless, unless the other four Power 5 conferences all had a right. dominant undefeated team then you know, it would be a toss-up for that fourth spot. But uh, I think this year they would hop Clemson, probably hop Michigan too. I, I really I see Michigan at 8-0, and and I'd just like to remind everyone about the Orange Bowl in the Midwest. Like, you know, their talent level is not necessarily what it needs to be to compete with a SEC team. So, I don't know. I'm on the Oregon train with y'all, uh, or, or with you, Nick. But they're, y'all are right. They control little. They need a lot to happen in front of them this season to make it. They, Other than the Georgia fans this weekend, they are Georgia's biggest fan the rest <laughs> of the way. And then they need Clemson or TCU to slip up. A thousand percent. And that's, I mean, let's not kid ourselves. How often do we see an SEC undefeated team, a Big Ten undefeated team, an ACC undefeated team, and a big, like, teams are going to lose. I think you so, see it happen, though, right? Like, you see Bam. You, I think there's probably some combination of Bama, Clemson, Ohio State being undefeated and in the playoff, right? Sure. I mean, yes, it does happen. I but I can't. The last two years, maybe Ohio. I mean, I, the one that LSU. I don't think, no, I, I no, don't think we've it, had a four-team undefeated playoff. No, I don't think had four. A four team well, undefeated. Which is what my point was of like you're. Right now, we have four undefeated conferences, and and that's not going to happen. Like, TCU, I, I said it last week, I think they could still lose two games this, this year. I think that's very much on, on the table. I mean, Big Ten probably will have an undefeated team, and we think Clemson might go undefeated as well, but it's not a Clemson team in the past that's guaranteed to go undefeated. But there's... It, it's the beauty of it is it's my point is it's so early and these rankings give a lot to talk about but so much is going to shake up at, by the end of the year and that's when it'll get more you know we'll have a little bit more evidence and a little bit more 
um, credit or you know facts to back up some of our opinions. Right now, we're just basing it off on how the next six games go, how the next seven weeks go, including the conference championships. So, I don't know. My my final point on the top ten, I think it's pretty fair. I think maybe I would think about putting Georgia ahead of Ohio State. I, I think uh, and, going back to what we we're saying though about you know them begging the Pac-12. I think uh, I kind of think Georgia got three because. The, the last thing they want is that SEC bias narrative. So I kind of think that's maybe why Georgia got three and Ohio State got two, just to try to avoid that. Could be. Could be. I, I think the, like it's, it's just silly, in my opinion, though. Like If you have two teams, Georgia hasn't lost, and they just came off national champion. It's not like they've looked like, bad by any means. Sure, they've had some games that they have probably could – for sure, play we've better. Had, we've had some quarters where we looked pretty bad. I but see. No, I, this they, is they like lost, something that I'm trying to get better at. Is like I don't, I don't think you can evaluate teams on any of their games further than maybe like four games back, three games back. Like the team that Georgia, like you cannot. I in my opinion, you cannot look at the Missouri game and be like, what a huge question mark. The Georgia team is like developed, and every team develops like since that point in the season. Yeah, I think that's fair. I mean, I think it's, I don't know if what the magic number is, the magic number there is Luke, but I think it's a good point. Teams get better or worse as the season goes along. And, you know, that's injuries, attrition, kids just being tired, uh, distractions of being in college. But yeah, it's, it is definitely what have you done for me lately when you're evaluating these schools and these teams and uh, the rankings reflect that to some extent, but it's going to be fun to see how this shakes out. This is the most competitive year of college football we've had maybe since 2007. Uh, you know, there's some other years like 2011, 2017 that were interesting, but this is, it's been a wild year. This has been the funnest year of college football. I would say we've had in a long, long time. I'm convinced that's uh, the transfer portal at work, just giving parity to, uh, to a lot of teams that, you know, can grab kids that went to Georgia, went and to Alabama. NIL. Yeah. Well, and NIL too, for sure. But yeah, the combination of that, I think, you know, like, NIL has been a blessing for teams like Tennessee where we can we have all the we, we have money to spend we just need kids to come you know we don't necessarily have the track record but we you know have have improved I think you know that's probably at play at TCU you get a great coach like Sonny Dykes get some kids to transfer in and, and you can really make something happen I think that's uh, making college football probably better in the long run with with a lot more parity yeah I agree with all of that I agree. And Luke, also, you have a vested interest in TCU. I wish you would lean into that a little bit more. The fact that Ann and Kate have not sent you a Hypnotoad t-shirt probably reflects on their vested interest in TCU or the lack thereof. But uh, I we, think we need a little bit. Do any of the Mishus have any school pride of the schools that they actually attended? Uh, I'm asking this across the board. I don't think there I don't is. Think so. I don't think there is one. Well, I, I think, think everyone's one. like was like oh like Ann and Kate were always like oh TCU's undefeated TCU's undefeated but then like week five week six six week seven go by and it's like okay like this might be a threat to Tennessee like all right let's let's and I'll, I'll <laughs> be honest I need them to throw a game when uh when I when Gabe and I lived in uh Dallas we went to a TCU game and it's just the, yeah, it's not the not same. the same it, it, I mean it was okay but it was a uh, yeah I mean no offense to them that's fair but it was just I was like what are we doing let's go watch. Let's go watch some football on the TV. Yeah. 
Yeah, no, that was, uh, I remember when I went on my uh, college tour at Wake Forest, my dad asked the tour guide where the other two-thirds of the football stadium was. <laughs> and I thought I was definitely not getting in after that comment. Uh, so, yeah, it's not, it's not the same. When you leave the SEC or the big stadiums in the uh, Big Ten, you're losing some of that passion that uh, makes people really care. Yeah, and I don't think TCU has ever really been a big football school, so you know, give them, give them maybe some time and they could turn it around. But SEC is king in terms of atmosphere. And then, like you said, Taylor, there's some Big Ten schools that are pretty electric as well. But let's let's wrap that up. Let's get into Week 10. We have a pretty big matchup at Clemson. Night game, I believe, at Notre Dame. This is, I believe the spread's three and a half. And this is kind of Clemson's last big test, I would say. And I think they have Miami and South Carolina on the schedule. But the spread the spread says this is going to be a close game. I don't know if that – I mean, that's got to be terrifying if you're Clemson. That just shows how meh they've been all year because this Notre Dame team certainly hasn't been very impressive all year. I, we, I was listening to – last week's podcast while I was running right before this one and we were saying that we thought the Clemson spread would be like 14 or higher and I don't know if this is just a knee-jerk reaction to Notre Dame blowing the doors off Syracuse but this just like doesn't make a lot of sense to me like it three and a half points Notre Dame has has certainly gotten better as the season's gone along. It it appears, but I feel like people too are putting. Long ago, they lost to Stanford at home. Yeah, and then like they they play a, a Syracuse team the week after they lose a heartbreaker at Clemson. The season, you know, they know there's no playoff chance now for them. Notre Dame comes in, like takes care of business, but you don't think Clemson has circled this game for and Clemson's coming off a bye week also. You don't think Clemson circled this game and is like, if there's any game to get up for for the rest of the year, this is the one? Like, I just... You know what? I, and Luke, I agree I agree with everything you just said. My question, and I don't know if the group knows, what did the line start at? I've only seen uh, it... Oh, did it really? Bef- what was like it? Pre, like, before the weekend, it was eight and a half. And it's all the way down to three and a half? That's a huge move. Three, three and, and a half. half. Yeah, I see. I think Vegas was... Uh, I think it's going to be much closer to that eight and a half. Uh, when the score ends on Saturday, then uh, wh- where it's moved to. I, mean, I think you've got uh, the public excited about a Notre Dame night game and lacking some of the analysis, Luke, that, that you just provided that Vegas probably was thinking about when they originally set that line. So um, I just I agree. I think Clemson should win this game. They should win this game somewhat comfortably as well. But it would be great for Marcus Freeman and Notre Dame to pull this off. Uh, we haven't seen Clemson play since they benched DJ for Kate Klubnik, right? No, they had the bye week. Yeah. So it, it could just be a factor said, uh, of DJ's their starter. Oh, they, okay. Well, it, I mean, it could be a factor so, of not really knowing what they're going to do at quarterback, but um, that's something. That's true. That's a good point. Uh, yeah, that is a good point. If there is some uh, discontent there within the coaching staff, you know, maybe. That would impact the game, but if we want Clemson to win, Clemson should win, if we want Clemson to win, who would we want to see a quarterback? Not DJ. 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 Really? You think so? I, 
guys, I'm not, he's, a, I'm not he's a DJ already, believer. He's, he's, I'm not either, but he's already played at Notre Dame in a night game, and he absolutely lit it up. That was his first career start. That so. was. But they lost. <laughs> they lost, though, right? I mean, yeah, but he he put up forty something points in his first ever start. Like, I don't think it was his fault yeah. they lost. Yeah. And, like, no, I know. It, it'll be a, it'll be somewhat of a tough place to play. Like, and I'm not there at practice, so I don't know who's like. Maybe this Cade guy is incredible. He was like so the number two I, I recruit in his class. I mean, he's rated highly. Yeah. So is DJ. Yeah. Though. Yeah. Yeah. True. So, like, you know, I don't know. I think if you're a Clemson fan, if you're a Clemson fan, you actually probably want to see the other guy because you're probably getting sick of DJ. But I think if you throw in all the other things, as a, as a coach, if I put on my coach hat, I would be like, all right, this guy's got the experience. He's played He's played in a tough game here at Notre Dame before. While he did lose, he had it probably still is his best game he's ever had in his career. Yeah. But. Yeah. That makes sense. Uh, I mean, I, I think their best bet is to trot DJ out to start and see how it goes. Um, that would make the most logical sense, but you know, if we're not in bench, practice. If DJ gets benched, he's it's one of those things where like you can't play him the rest of the year. Like you, you got to ride the other guy. I agree. Otherwise, you probably lose him. So it's like yeah. uh, who is who is the starter that they benched for? Was it Trevor Lawrence? Boyd is that right? No, the guy who ended up transferring to Missouri. Uh oh, 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 Chase. No, Bryce. No, Bryce, Bryce said upstate. No, 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 it wasn't him. It wasn't Missouri. him. Anyways, he he like Kelly Bryant. He should have never been this Kelly Bryant. Kelly Bryant. Yeah, yeah. Like he should have never been the starter. But like again, once you bench him, he was done. Like you, you just can't do that. And obviously, this is not apples to apples by any means. We're talking about maybe one of the better quarter college quarterbacks in Trevor Lawrence we've ever seen. But anyways, it, it, it's a big test for Notre Dame. If they keep it close, if they win, like that's huge for Marcus Freeman going forward. I don't think they're – if they lose and it's somewhat close, I don't think it's that bad for Notre Dame. But if they get blown out, then we're you're kind of back to like, is Marcus Freeman the right guy? So it will be interesting in that that aspect. Um, let, let's go. Let's go to Bama at LSU. This is a huge spread. Thirteen and a half is what I had last seen it as. LSU, like they've shown that they they've got some juice. Bama hasn't been your typical Bama team that we've seen in years past. You guys are the SEC guys. I'm not going to really talk much on this game. Feel free to share your thoughts on this game. I would not bet against Bama in this game. Like they're they're both coming off bye weeks. But I, I am not on the LSU hype train just because they scored a bunch of points on the on Florida and beat Ole Miss. Like, I think that Saban will have these guys ready. He has by they have by far the best player on the field. I'm still not sold on uh, LSU's quarterback Daniels. I the only thing that he's playing better me, though. He is the only thing that concerns me is that Bama's defense has been materially worse on the road. And so that for that reason, like the numbers feels big, and if the you know the crowd gets into it, if LSU makes a couple plays early, it can be a dogfight. But I just this feels like a classic point where you're like this spread should be closer to 17. LSU, you know, while they've we've talked about like evolving throughout the season, they they've done that since the Tennessee game. I just I I do not believe that they match up well with Alabama. I 
I sadly agree with you, Luke. <laughs> I, I would love to see LSU win this game. I think if LSU wins this game on Saturday night, the winner of the Georgia-Tennessee game before probably goes to the playoff automatically. I mean, there's a good shot there. Uh, but LSU is playing better. They have stabilized some of their problems. I mean, in both the FSU game and the Tennessee game, huge muff kicks. And I think they had five muff kicks between those two games <laughs> that led to five touchdowns. Might not have been five touchdowns, but it was five scores uh, that put them behind the eight ball in both of those games. Uh, that seems to have corrected itself. But a victory over Florida, who just does not have a lot of horses this season, and an LS, or an Ole Miss team that you know is good, but they're not field rushing worthy. To me, that's just not. I just don't think that's enough. I think Bryce Young's going to be able to do what he does. He's going to dance around and find open receivers after scrambling for what feels like 30 minutes. <laughs> and, you know, it's just going to break LSU's back. Uh, I just LSU, I'd love to see him win. I just don't think they have the horses to do it. But they're getting better. Hopefully they can keep it close and interesting for a little while. Are you guys nervous at all about the potential that – of what Brian Kelly could do with his LSU team yeah. in this program? I think he can be really good. I I think he can. I think he – is he going to be able to recruit with Georgia and Alabama? You know, I don't know because he's in not Tennessee. the most um, – Okay. Um, <laughs> he's not the most um, – I don't know. Authentic, I guess, is the right word when it comes to being on the bayou. So, you know, if you've got Nick Saban or, or even Josh Heupel, I'll give him credit, or Kirby Smart walking into that room um, and Brian Kelly walks in with a fake Southern accent and a fedora, you know, are, are, are you going to go to LSU? Now, they've got a lot of NIL money. They've got a great fan base uh, and their state. He doesn't have to leave the state to recruit. That is the one big advantage he has. I mean, Louisiana is such a talent-rich state. But um, I believe in Brian Kelly as a coach. And they're winning. Will he fit in? And they're winning. But will he fit in culturally? Long term, that is my only concern with Brian Kelly. If he if he can do that, yeah, he he can compete with everybody in the SEC. I don't know that he has he to fit in culturally at this point. I mean, like Louisiana That's is true. traditionally walls up around that state. They don't lose. I mean, they have you know with all this transition, but traditionally they don't lose kids. I mean, you know, you look at all the SEC schools, and if you're not getting kids out of Georgia, you're not going to win. Like you have to go to Georgia and get kids and. There's so many. There's so much talent in Georgia that that Georgia doesn't can't and won't doesn't want to take them all. But Louisiana, on the other hand, has just enough talent where you can have a great roster and and you don't really see many kids leaving that state. Uh, it, it's pretty rare to have a kid leave Louisiana for a, another SEC school. So I I think if he gets the right coordinators and has guys who are on the road doing doing it for him, he's going to be fine. And then you just look at the track record, you know, the la- every coach that, I mean, since Les Miles, uh, actually, I guess it, it's Saban, actually, but they, the last three coaches there have won national championships. That kind of speaks for itself. I think, I think if you don't get one, I mean, probably doing something wrong. I agree. I agree. I mean, it, I would say LSU is set up for success no matter who the coach is, as long as they don't just absolutely blow it. I mean, in Orgeron... He was doing everything right, and then he kind of lost who he was and lost his way, uh, and he flew too close to the uh, LSU sun. But, <laughs> it, yeah, Brian Kelly can definitely do it. Am I worried about Brian Kelly when I go to sleep at night thinking about college football? 
No, but I'm not worried about LSU because LSU is not in my division yet. They might end up being in my division by some weird uh, happenstance in a couple of years, but no, um, he could really do well down there. That's, they're going to be a fun team to watch next year, I think, because I knew nothing about LSU coming into this season. I mean, Luke, I think we talked about this before the season started. How would you bet that FSU game? And I was like, I have no idea. I don't know nothing about this squad that he has. So next year, seeing what they've put together this year, a little bit better recruiting, stabilizing some of the bad apples in that locker room that I think Orgeron had. If we're being honest, there were some kids that weren't buying in last year. Uh, uh, next year, I expect Brian Kelly to field uh, a damn good football team. Ultimately, I also think uh, Jaden Daniels is pretty one-dimensional. I mean, not not to the not not. I'm trying to think of somebody who's legitimately one-dimensional, but I just don't think he's the quarterback that's going to win you an SEC championship. Uh, I know they have some talent behind him, and I could see them. I could see Brian Kelly with another year figuring out the quarterback situation and and, and really having something going. But uh, yeah, I don't know. I think he's, this he's probably isn't their year. But done, he's typically done pretty well with quarterbacks too. Like Ian Book at Notre Dame, he like he should have never had the career that he did. And Brian Kelly's done pretty well with quarterbacks for the most part, especially with guys that aren't that talented. Like, he's never had a quarterback that, you know, a Bryce Young. or So it would be curious to see what he could do with a five-star quarterback. Well, I think that's why he left. I mean, I, I really yeah. do. I think he wanted to go see if this would work somewhere where he didn't have an academic uh, or character disadvantage. Not, I'm not saying all the LSU kids are not smart or aren't upstanding young men of character, but they don't have to go to Mass uh, multiple times a week. <laughs> so, um, you know, that's... That 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 helps. That helps might, recruiting. Though. They still might. Oh, they might. Yeah, yeah they, they might. might. They might. Yeah, yeah. We're not. But it's not required. Yeah. All right. Um. So this is what we've been waiting for. We've got Tennessee at Georgia. I'm just gonna let you two take it away. Just let's let's hear it from both ends here. I really won't say anything here. I'm excited to hear what you guys have to say. I'll let Tanner start because uh, my wife reminded me before I walked in to start this that I talked too much last year. <laughs> so um, I'm I'm gonna, I'm we gonna got, play the devil's advocate. I, I guess. do remember I do remember the Wake Forest filibuster from last year, <laughs> guys. And I was I, I full disclosure I was entirely prepared to do that again tonight had they beaten Louisville. <laughs> so if they had been seven and one, I, you were gonna get a bunch of Wake Forest should be in the playoff for me. Thank uh, goodness, but now. Yes, yeah, y'all, y'all. I'm, have, I, I'm okay with losing my bet last week, just just for that. <laughs> yeah, no. Next year, the dream's still alive. Yeah. All right, take it away. All right, I'll start. Uh, I mean, you know, at, at the end of the day, I um, I want to preface everything with just, uh, you know, right now Tennessee is just on, everything's gravy, right? Like, like you know, Luke. Luke's already hit his over under on the on the wins this season. Um, <laughs> you know the fact that we it feels like we've got a legitimate coach in place. It feels like everything's moving in the right direction. We're recruiting well. Uh, you know, my goal before the season was uh, was to solidify ourselves as the number two team in the in the East. Which you know, if you think about Florida and some turmoil, um, you know, Clemson we should all or not Clemson sorry South Carolina we should have no problem with going forward, because uh, I, I think Shane Beamer's Butch 2.0. Uh, 
Kentucky doesn't have the, the fan base, the money to really compete long-term with us in the East specifically. Um, I think we've pretty much done that. I think we are, we are the number two team in the East right now. Uh, and the fact that we're even being talked about as being number one is, is a, you know, we are way ahead of schedule on, on the Josh Heupel uh, calendar. Um, but, but past that, you know, I think as far as the game goes, I mean, you know, just given how Tennessee operates, when you have a high-scoring offense, I think Kiffin has kind of proven this, and we've seen some teams in the past. If you can, if you can score, you can, you know, it's you are a prime upset team. And I think if you look at these two teams, uh, you know, Georgia's obviously going to have the talent advantage. At pretty much, you know, you could make it. Well, I think quarterback Tennessee's. I mean, I think Hendon Hooker is more talented than Stetson Bennett, obviously. But I think Stetson Bennett is a mature game, you know, field general, you know, cool as a cucumber in, in, in some tight situations. But pure talent-wise, you know, Hennon Hooker is, is going to beat him there. But, I mean, probably everywhere else, if you go strictly off of, you know, talent rankings, draft picks, uh, is going to have Tennessee beat just about everywhere on the field. Um, maybe punter. I don't know really what George's punter is, but our, our punter is pretty freaking good. Uh, and, and you could maybe make an argument at wide receiver. Maybe. But just about everywhere else, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go Georgia talent-wise there. So Tennessee needs this to probably be a shootout, in my opinion. Like, I don't see us – I you know, this will not look like Kentucky. This will not look like the LSU game. Like, Georgia will score points on our defense. Um. We just need to make sure that we score on Georgia's defense, in my opinion. Uh, and, and so I sort of see this, I think, in Tennessee's best interest. We want this to look like the Alabama game where both teams are scoring uh, and we get to the end and, and things have to fall our way. But I think they definitely can. And I think, um, you know, I think Tennessee, from our perspective, uh, you know, I think – I don't think enough gets talked about our offensive line this year. I mean, they, you know, we have talent on the offensive line potentially underrated talent. Darnell Wright was like the top three recruit uh, when he came in out of high school. I want to say he was the top three offensive lineman in, in that class, maybe, maybe maybe top five, something like that. But he was a five-star, legitimate five-star recruit. Um, Cooper Mays is a little undersized, but he he was a legitimate recruit that got offers. He didn't get – I don't think Georgia wanted him because of the Cade situation, but, but he was a legitimate center who fits this offense really well, makes things run. Uh, you know, we have Spragans and and Mincy and, and some of these other guys aren't aren't necessarily Georgia quality talent yet, but they've they've clearly been coached up, they've clearly been taught the scheme and things are moving in the right direction. I think our defensive line absolutely decimated. I mean I think that gets that doesn't get talked about enough. What Bryce Young did in that game to avoid more sacks, because we were in their backfield legitimately all game long. I think that's a possibility in this game if we play well. Um, and I don't think Stetson Bennett necessarily can be as elusive as Bryce Young. But at the same time, you know, Georgia is stacked. <laughs> so I'm not going to say we're going to come. I, I mean, we, I think the spread is correct. I, I think that is a legitimate spread. You know, clearly I, I'm pretty upset. I thought I had locked in Tennessee plus 10.5 <laughs> two weeks ago. And I got on FanDuel, and apparently I didn't lock it in. And so I'm probably not going to bet it just because I'm extremely superstitious about my gambling luck affecting 
Tennessee. But um, I think that's about all I have. I mean, I, I think it's going to be a shootout, which is – I think it's going to be an exciting game. I think, I think the spread is right, and I think, you know, Tennessee's going to need to play an Alabama-like game, have some things fall their way to, to, to really have a shot at winning. But I think – you know, it's been a long time since we've gone into the Georgia game. It's been a long time since we've gone to the Alabama game. It's been a long time since we've gone to the Florida game, thinking we have a legitimate shot. So I'm just, I'm, I'm excited for that. Um, you know, I'm excited to see what happens. I think Stetson Bennett needs to have a good game too. I don't think he can come out and play mediocre. He's gonna have to play lights out. Uh, but, but ultimately, you know, Georgia's got the talent. Tennessee maybe probably has the scheme. We'll see what happens. So before Tanner, I we. Thought that was- you go ahead, go give him his props or whatever you're going to oh, give I him. Thought, but I thought I've got one more question analysis. for him. I thought that was a great analysis, Tanner, and uh, much more level-headed than uh, Mark Mishu <laughs> uh, or JP. I'm thinking about all the Tennessee fans uh, <laughs> that that are just on the, the hype train. That was eloquent, and I agree with everything you said. But, um, Nick, I'll let you go. Yeah, so that was very level-headed, and that's why I just one question for you, and I you kind of gave somewhat of a of an answer to this, but so what what's your confidence level one to ten going into this game? Ten being Tennessee wins by ten plus. Let's say let's say six is Tennessee ekes out a win, and then one is like they they get blown out. Uh, I would probably go five then. I, I think literally, I do think this is a toss up. I mean, I I don't see us winning by some huge margin. Like like, I think we had a good game defensively against Kentucky, but Kentucky is not anything like what Georgia is going to bring to the field. It's an away game. On top of that, um, I do think we have a pretty old like our team. You know what we have going for us this year is we're a pretty old team. Like we have a lot of seniors, older guys who have been there before. Um, I don't think, and and to be honest with you, we run an offense that bodes well to a to a an away game. Given, you know, it's going to be loud in Sanford Stadium, but our offense runs pretty. It, it's not like we're communicating a lot at the line of. I mean, I like the, the the plays come in and we run. A lot of our plays are scripted, so I think that really bodes well for a loud, you know, rowdy environment. Um, so I'm not really worried about that. I am worried about. You know, our offensive and defensive lines have looked the best they have in, in a long time. And I want to make sure that that's legitimate. I think that's going to be proven this weekend. You know, I think Alabama legit or, you know, kind of gave us a good feeling. But Kentucky had a bad game. That was, I mean, I don't think that was their best. And maybe it is their best, but that wasn't an offense that we're going to look. I mean, just not the players, not the, you know, whatever. So I think... Um, it's going to be a different animal this weekend, and we need to, so you know it's going to be a close game. I don't see us winning by more than a a field goal, something at the last minute. If we do, uh, I think it's going to be a shootout. I'm going to go with five. I think, I think if it's a coin flip, it's it's uh, if it's a coin flip, Georgia has tails with just that slight advantage. So I I think you know if I was going to bet on the game, I think I'd bet on Tennessee. Take the eight points and think it, it. Think you know there's a good chance Georgia wins by a field goal, something like that. That's that's pretty fair, Luke. I don't really care. I've heard all of your analysis <laughs> about Tennessee. I want to know your confidence level, though. Same question to you, though. I don't know. I like. 
the way I see this game is I could see both teams winning by like 14 points. Like the variability of what could happen in this game is it's just a huge range. But I it's tough for me to say, like it's tough to see Georgia getting blown out at home. Like this is the biggest they have to win this game. Like if they lose this game, they're not making the college football playoff. The at home, they have to win the game. So it's tough for me to see them getting blown out. But Tennessee's offense is always, I just look like no one has even come close to stopping this offense. And what, I, think, I said I don't care about your analysis. I just wanted your numbers. <laughs> okay, I'm a, I'm a, I'm like Tanner. I'm a six or seven maybe. I said okay. five. So slightly, a little bit higher. That's a little bit higher. Yeah, that's slightly higher. Slightly higher. Tanner, Luke. Yeah. I'm a six slightly and a half. That's why Tanner is the smart level. I'm a six one. and a half. I did right. roll into an analysis a little bit there. You caught me. You did. You, you did. <laughs> you I did. was going to see. I was yeah. letting you go for a little bit, and I was like, all right, just give me the number. Now, okay. <laughs> I want to hear Taylor's side of, uh, of the uh, matchup here. So um, I, I think Tanner hit a lot of the, the big points. Tennessee has a great team this season. It pains me to say that. Uh, I, I told someone earlier this week that my heart disagrees with what my eyes and brain are processing when I watch Tennessee because I have refused to believe that uh, they're playing competent football, but they are. I mean, uh, the evidence is on the field. The system that Hypel has on offense, I mean, it, it's efficient. It's ruthless. They spread you out to the max, to the boundaries, and they force you to make choices. And if you make the wrong choice, like Alabama did repeatedly, uh, they're going to burn you. It's going to be one of the wide receivers streaking down the middle of the field for a touchdown. So it, it really stresses the defense with this kind of like Art Bryles modified system in a way that most SEC programs don't want to see. Everybody runs some kind of version of the spread right now, it seems, but Tennessee's is really a true spread. Uh, Mississippi State, I think, is kind of in the same vein. Everybody else is kind of more like Kiffin right now with elements of it, but it's not your whole M.O. And even Mississippi State's not going as fast as Tennessee. Um, Hyatt, Tillman, Hooker, they force you to make a decision, and you better pray that you're not on an island making the wrong one. But, I mean, I think what people don't realize is Tennessee's team, this offense, is actually built around the run. Their success on first down running the ball has actually been the key to set up that speed and all of those busts uh, that are leading to the bad decisions in the back end for these defenses. So people see all the stats that Hooker is putting up, but it's really Tennessee's ground game that has been the difference this season. I mean, it's, they're getting four, five yards uh, when they're handing the ball off out of the shotgun on first down and running up to the line, and that is setting them up for success repeatedly. Uh, the defense is blitz heavy, uh, but it's good because, you know, the Tanner alluded to the talent is not necessarily there. So they've got to scheme around that and force the opposing offenses into decision-making contests. And they've done that in- incredibly well. I-, I think it's a little bit, um, uh, the defense might be a little bit hyped on the blitz heavy side based on Alabama. I think Alabama's offensive line is awful, y'all, this season. I think they were mediocre last year, and they're probably worse this year. I mean, Bryce has been running for his life a lot, uh, depending on the opponent. Um, But he's Bryce Young. You know, him running for his life means nothing to him, right? He can still flick the ball 80 yards to 
you know, a wide open uh, wide receiver for Alabama. But Tennessee is definitely one of those teams that has gotten better each and every single week. Uh, I'm I'm a little frustrated by the uh, comparisons, and this isn't against Tennessee to uh, LSU in 2019. I think that's I think LSU should be frustrated by that because that might have been the greatest college football team of all time. And I, I definitely don't think Tennessee, uh, even if they go undefeated and win a national championship, it, it would beat the 2019 LSU team. I don't know if there is another team in the history of college football that would beat that team. And and Hooker is great, but uh, Joe Burrow, uh, you know. Joe Burrow was generational that year, uh, so much so. I mean, I, I went to that SEC championship game against Georgia. We and bet we Georgia stayed in that game. It, <laughs> yeah, big mistake. But, I mean, <laughs> Luke, my dad and I stayed at that game when we were down, you know, by five touchdowns just to watch Joe Burrow. I mean, we were amazed sitting there. I mean, it was miraculous what he was doing. And they also um, had, like, two of the best – NFL receivers today. They did. And, and nine, like who, I think with the, 19, who do you defend? the talent, the, that's the difference. Total, I think the scheme there, I think Teipel is, every, yeah. is doing everything Joe Brady did with scheme-wise. Talent discrepancies between those two teams are huge. Yeah. And, and that LSU team beat seven final-ranked teams. Um, I, I was looking up this st- statistic today on the blue-chip ratios going into this game on Saturday. You know, the number of four and five stars is the percentage of your team. Tennessee's at 31%. That LSU team actually was only at 64%. This Georgia team's at 70. Yeah, yeah, double. But but still, this Georgia team's at 79%. But no team has ever won a national championship under 50%. But there were two close ones that this Tennessee team reminds me of. Uh, Clemson, who lost the 2016 national championship game, 2015 season, to Alabama out in Phoenix uh, with Watson at quarterback. And then the team that this Tennessee team reminds me of the most is actually Auburn in 2013. I mean, we're a, a kick six from beating Georgia away this weekend for uh, Josh Heupel to rip off a Gus Malzahn mask and uh, or take <laughs> off his mask and actually be Gus Malzahn, I should say. So I, I do think Tennessee has this feeling of uh, a team of destiny to some extent. And um, I, I'm a believer in what Heupel has done. I don't know if the system is going to be sustainable to this level year in and year out because, as always, these things get figured out to some extent the more you play it. It is an advantage for the SEC East teams and, I guess, Alabama, who sees Tennessee every season. Um, But part of that is this weekend, Georgia matches up personnel-wise with with Tennessee better than Alabama does because the strength of this year's Georgia team, it's on the back end. It's on the interior defensive line. Uh, last year, it was Jordan Davis and amazing linebackers. This year, it's Jalen Carter, and then it's Chris Smith and Keely Ringo. Uh, this Georgia team is definitely DB heavy, but you know I think that's going to help them on Saturday because they're going to be able to rotate guys in and out when they can who are all really talented on the back end that hopefully make some good decisions when, when Heupel is trying to force them into bad ones. Um this Georgia team, though, has also been really streaky all season long. They played four perfect quarters against Oregon and South Carolina. And then since those games, you know, they've really put three perfect quarters together each game. And they've had one quarter where they've just fallen asleep. And they cannot afford to fall asleep this weekend against Tennessee because Tennessee can put up points in bunches quickly. So, um, you know, as a Georgia fan, I think that's my concern is, you know, can this team – put four quarters together again 
And if they can, I, I, I do think Georgia will win the game in that 8 to 10 point range. Uh, if they can't, it becomes a coin toss or a Tennessee 8 to 10 point victory. Um, and we just won't know. Uh, Georgia's got, you know, Nolan Smith is gone the rest of the season. Uh, not as, I mean, it's a big loss no matter who they're playing. Not as big of a concern against Tennessee because he is more of a, an edge setter and run stopper. Uh, he was not going to be the difference maker necessarily for Georgia on Saturday in my mind. Uh, but A.D. Mitchell, our best wide receiver, who's really been gone all season, also uh, ha- has limited, I think, the uh, explosiveness of this offense. But Georgia's offense is criminally underrated when it comes to efficiency, and the defensive personnel match up better with any team, oh, with Tennessee, better than any other team Tennessee's going to play this season. So those two things make me think, you know, Georgia should win the game. But uh, on, on a confidence level, I'm not going to go with Luke's seven. I'm not going to go with Tanner's five. I'll go with just a solid six. Uh, it's a road game. Hinden Hooker's splits on the road are significantly worse historically. Uh, I mean, even at Pitt this year where Tennessee probably had half the fans. Uh, you know, I think those things also help Georgia a little bit. And then... Georgia's offensive line has improved throughout the season. It is the one component where I think we are happy with where they are compared to where they started. They're going to be able to run the ball at times. They've got three great running backs that are all going to get fed on Saturday. Keep Tennessee off the field. Don't do anything stupid. That is the name of the game. And try to win a war of attrition. They want to take Tennessee into the fourth quarter with a slight lead or tied, knowing that they're not tired and Tennessee's offense has been stressing its defense. You know, that's what Kirby's going to be trying to accomplish on Saturday. And I think they should be able to do it, but it's going to be a heck of a matchup, a heck of a game. Uh, some people had uh, a free ticket and had an opportunity to go to the game, and they turned it down, which is just shocking to me. But uh, you know, something about babies being born is, is I am important. 99% sure I'm going to be in a hospital watching this game. And I'm going to be freaking out. <laughs> it's that's funny you say that because your brother will be too. That's but, true. Uh, there won't be a baby on the way. But uh, no, that, he'll be, he'll you be guys in a have, drunk tank. He yeah, won't even be able yeah. to watch the game. <laughs> <laughs> but no, it's it's going to be a great game. It's good for college football. It's good for Georgia and Tennessee. It's good for the this SEC. Game means East. something. It is. It is. And uh, you know, I, I, it's going to be fun. And, well, I say it's going to be fun. Listening to Gary Danielson uh, for five hours is not fun for anyone with the long commercial breaks, too, on CBS. But it should be a great matchup, and uh, it's get your popcorn. It should be awesome. So I'll say all both you great points I did enjoy because, like I said, I don't follow either one of these schools or the SEC as much as the three of you do. So I did appreciate listening to both your guys' analysis and, and stuff, but... I'm a little disappointed that it, it's so friendly. Like, this is such a monster game, and we're, we're giving out fives and sixes on the confidence level. I, I was really hoping that we were going to have, like, one of, one of you guys coming in here and be like, Team X is so much better. We're going to come in. Maybe it's because you don't want to, you know, get too overconfident, but I was really hoping for a little bit more from, from either one of you guys. Nick. I will tell you this, um, on the confidence front, I think both of these schools on Saturday have a path to blowing the doors off the other one. 
I believe it or not, I think Georgia's path is probably a little bit cleaner than Tennessee's because Tennessee plays more on the razor's edge. If something goes wrong or catastrophic for that offense repeatedly, uh, it, it can bog down. But also, you know, Georgia could f- muff two punts like LSU or those were kickoffs, and then Stetson could throw a pick six. And then, you know, Georgia's not built to come back when Tennessee can still score two or three at least more touchdowns in the game. Georgia is going to put an emphasis on clogging the gaps on the interior line on Saturday, which move Hendon Hooker off his spots and force him to be a two-read quarterback. And right now, he's really just been a one-read quarterback because everybody's been so wide open. If Georgia really gets interior pressure like Pittsburgh did against uh, Tennessee, and Georgia has the personnel to do that, I I could see a scenario where, you know, it just goes south on Tennessee. But Tennessee has a, a path to where it goes south on Georgia, too, just because of how quickly they can score. You know, the other side of the razor's edge they play on is awesome offense and ruthless efficiency. And it's it, this is a weird one. Uh, I, I don't – there are so many different scenarios on Saturday. I know we could say that about every college football game, but this is one that uh, – it can go a lot of different ways. And we say all this, and it's going to be 6-3. to three. <laughs> That would be. I mean, I'm serious. It's going to go down as one of the worst games in college football history. Uh, and Johnny's never going to come back to Athens. LSU-Bama, yeah. 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 Fair so. enough. Fair enough. You know, I was just hoping for a little bit more, but, you know, I'll, I'll uh, have to live with that. I, to, ironically, I so I give Georgia the edge. I think if Georgia loses the turnover battle, I think that's where Tennessee wins this game. So... That's kind of where I stand. You guys obviously know a lot more than me when it comes to these two teams, and you guys are have more of a vested interest in them. But it, saying all you're that, right, Nick. You're yeah. right on the turnover battle. I mean, but, but I think Georgia can survive one turnover. They can't survive multiple. Um, for Tennessee on Saturday, too, to me, their key is going to be getting out to a lead, even if that's three points. They need to score first in this game. I know they scored first last year, but you know, they're on the road. They need to make Georgia doubt. They need to make Georgia doubt. And that's going to require just a great first quarter. If they can do that, they're going to give themselves a chance to win. If Georgia's, you know, just doing Georgia things at times and playing a complete game, uh, it's going to be tough for Tennessee. They've got to get out to a lead. I agree with that. I think if, if, it's the first drive of the Tennessee's first drive and it's a bomb to Hyatt who's wide open. Georgia's gonna be like, the fuck do we just do planning all week long and this guy's running wide well, open I, already? <laughs> I'll say that maybe not the first drive. Maybe not a seven oh lead. They probably need a fourteen to seven lead or after that first scripted series because Tennessee did do that last year. I agree. So I, um, But we did the same me, thing like, against Alabama and we I mean to me it's yeah. more about we need to get Stetson Bennett on the ground yeah. because if we get to the backfield i mean that's the thing he doesn't have the if we get him on the ground and get him hit hard and often i, I think that's our key because that would severely limit i mean our you know th- this is the best defensive line that georgia has played all year bar none in my opinion i mean maybe florida's close but rodney garter has done an incredible job with our defensive line we rotate we're deep there and, and we're getting deeper at linebacker our secondary is where that's Stetson Bennett needs time to carve our, our secondary. If we can take that away, I think we have a legitimate shot at outscoring them. If, if not, then I think 
then we're in trouble. And you're going to see on Saturday, I, I, I will say Georgia's offensive coordinator, Todd Munkin, is phenomenal. He is one of the few offensive coordinators that I've, I've seen in Athens uh, set up plays in game one for something in game eight, in game nine, or the playoff, or what have you. He leaves these little breadcrumbs to make people think about what they're going to do. On Saturday, you're going to see Georgia do things on offense that every college football fan says this, oh, we're saving our playbook for this game, right? Or they played vanilla. They didn't want to show the other school anything. 99% of the time, that is absolute garbage. I can promise y'all, Todd Munkin has things on Saturday that he has yet to show, in part because Georgia has not really played a team where they couldn't just line up in a base package and win the game. Um, you know, the, the most exotic Georgia has been was game one against Oregon. So uh, that's going to be interesting to see. And they're going to roll and move Stetson around. He is not the best in pure pass. He is great on rollouts and play action. I think you're going to see a lot of that from Georgia. And then and obviously with us, it's, it's the tight ends. You know, as Brock Bowers goes or Darnell, um, or Eric Gilbert, if he gets into the game. I mean, Georgia has three tight ends that, that could line up at wide out and, and win the game for them. So um, th- that will be interesting to see how that Tennessee secondary holds up against some of those big guys. Yeah, I think at the end of the day, we are in for what hopefully is the best game of the year. I know that it's going to be really hard to top the Tennessee-Alabama game, but a couple of weeks later with the playoff implications and everything at stake, I, I just hope from a neutral point of view, we see, you know, a, a ESPN classic, if you will. I know the game won't be on ESPN, but I, I hope that it, it comes down to potentially the last drive. Um, so good luck to both of you guys. It'll be fun to see how the game goes. Maybe we can get a little cameo next week from the winner side and maybe even from the loser side too well you know tanner i'm sorry we will have a loser side if it is tennessee with luke but you know we'll we'll, we'll figure it out for next week depending on how this how this game plays out um with that being said though let's move on to the week 10 picks that we have all prepared recap of how the season's going not good who yeah good. but but not as bad as you <laughs> Not as bad as me. You had a good week, Luke. You're at 11 for 27, 41% minus 7 units. I'm 12 for 31, 39% at minus 10 units. All right, so for this week, I, Luke, I've got, I've got three picks. I'm changing it up a little bit more. I have two two-unit. Ah, screw it. I've got one three-unit pick, one <laughs> two-unit pick, and one one-unit pick. I'm going to hedge happiness with my, three, with my three unit pick. I have Clemson minus three and a half. We have talked about it at the beginning of the show. I, I just, it, this really is about the Notre Dame team. I do not think this Notre Dame team is very good. I don't see this offense doing much at all. And ironically, this team stinks at home. They've lost to Stanford. <laughs> They've lost to Marshall and Ohio State. All three of their losses have been at home. They play much better. I would on say the it was road, on the road, wasn't it? Was it on the road? I think it was. I thought it, I thought it was at home. Stats? But no, because we we're going to tailgate. It, it could be. You're right. It, it was. But my point is, they've lost to Marshall and Stanford at home, and Stanford was a night game. So I'm not putting much 
I'm not putting much weight into that. I think three and a half, we, we talked about eight and a half was the line. I think it's going to be much closer than that. I just, I don't have very much this, like I said, it comes down to Notre Dame not being very good. They're, they're too up and down. And I think this week is going to be a down week. Now, now I hope I'm wrong, but I, I hope I'm wrong enough where they win. This would be the ultimate, like, we hope you're wrong too. <laughs> this would be the ultimate like kick in the nuts though if Notre Dame loses by three. That that's the worst case scenario. That's where hedging happiness goes wrong and y- you lose on both accounts. So I'll get into my next pick, which is a two unit pick. Taylor, you'll like this. I'm I'm gonna buy back on Wake Forest. I have them at minus three and a half. I think last week, like you said, they turned the ball over way too much. I trust this offense. I, 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 I think this team is so much better than what they showed. I don't know. Like, what, what are your thoughts on this game? You know, uh, well, Wake always finds a way to beat NC State. It's kind of the reverse Louisville for Wake Forest. Um, I, I love Dave Clawson. I love Sam Hartman. Up until last week, I would have told y'all Sam deserved to be a dark horse Heisman candidate. Back to someone we talked about earlier on the Heisman front, you know, because he was so valuable to his team, right? I mean, he was literally carrying Wake Forest to what was potentially an 8-1 and record. Uh, but I, I think Wake will bounce back. I, I like the bet. Uh, historically, we've done very well against NC State the past 15 years, e- even in Raleigh. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm all in on the Deeks. We've got to bounce back from uh, that, that debacle in Louisville. And this NC State team is so lost without their quarterback. They are they, – they, they can't do anything. They've looked like a completely different team, and it makes sense, you know, when you're, you know, I want to say a, a good – a mediocre to good team. You don't quite have the depth like these SEC teams do when you do lose a quarterback that you can just replace it with a five-star. So I think they're really going to struggle on offense, struggle enough against Wake Forest. And I think Wake Forest's offense is very good, and I think they put up the points. I think three and a half is pretty comfortable for the Deeks this week. And I'll get my last pick out of the way, just a one unit. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go into the SEC. This is kind of like a, you buy the team that, that did poorly, and you, you, you bet against the team that did well. I'm going to go with South Carolina. I think I have them at minus seven. And I don't know. I don't, I don't really think the South Carolina team is all that good. But I, I do think they, they figure, you know, it'll, it'll be a test for them. Can, can they bounce back coming off a loss? And Bandy's going to be rocking. Not, yeah, Vandy will be rocking, but like, come on, it's 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 Vanderbilt. Like, give me give me South Carolina. I I think they have enough to beat a Vanderbilt team that has been historically a dumpster fire of a program. So I I don't know. I I don't like the fact that I'm on three favorites. It's just kind of the way the board played out this week. Um, but I'm gonna ride with it. I my confidence levels are are pretty high, which. Probably should be a, you know, a, some signals firing off to, like, fade me because I haven't been very good. And, and if I'm feeling confident, that means things are probably going to go poorly. But those are my three games. Um, I'll, let, I'll let you guys talk about your games and, and what you guys are feeling. All right. I'll rattle mine off next. When I looked at the board, I actually didn't like anything. 
And so that means I had to go and start teasing everything. And so I put together two two-unit teasers and just a two-unit straight bet. The straight bet is in line with Beasler's Clemson minus three and a half at Notre Dame. I thought about not taking it because I desperately want Clemson to lose, but it just feels like free money at this point. There is no way this spread should be this low. The two teasers, though, they're both two-team teasers. One is I teased Bama down from 13 to 7 and paired it with uh, Mississippi State, who is at home against Auburn, who just fired their coach and AD and program. You know, I'm sure Dumpster kids are thinking, fire. yeah, kids are thinking transfer portal, save my season. Like, and not only that, but Mississippi State is actually playing really well at home. They're just really bad on the road. Pair those things together. The other two unit teaser is Liberty. I tease them up to 19 and a half. They're playing Arkansas. You like to you like to watch, so yeah. I just I uh, Arkansas gives up points and Liberty scores them. And if I'm getting 19 and a half on top of it all, like I you know I just I probably need 20 25 points, and I think Liberty is going to get it. And I'm pairing that with Tennessee plus 14 and a half. It, it I, I just struggle. If Georgia completely shuts down Tennessee's offense, which has not even been close to being shut down all year, like then it is what it is. But I think odds are Georgia will score and Tennessee will score, and maybe Georgia wins by ten. But I have a tough time seeing them winning by more than that. Um, so pairing, yeah, Liberty plus nineteen and a half and Tennessee plus fourteen and a half for my last two unit bet. I I like all of those uh, to some extent. I- I will say the interesting thing about the bets, it's just the teams. It's not the bets themselves. If you had told 12-year-old me that Tommy Tuberville would be a sitting U.S. senator and Cadillac Williams would be the coach at Auburn, <laughs> I would have said you were a liar. Um, and then it's interesting, you know, Liberty has invested heavily in, in everything on their campus, including football, and they just locked up Freeze with uh, a $40 million contract extension. So I feel like that's not gotten a lot of press this week uh, because it's Liberty. But that prevents, you know, an Auburn, uh, a Texas A&M, if, you know, Jimbo just completely loses control and they find $100 million under a mattress uh, from going after Hugh Freeze, potentially. So I think that's something to pay attention to. But I, I liked all of those all of those bets, Luke. Good. Yeah, I what actually, got? I definitely, that, uh, that Liberty-Tennessee teaser might make its way into my account. I kind of like that. You like that one? Yeah, I like that one a lot. Hell yeah. Um, I'll go next, Luke, I guess. Uh, yeah. I, I want to say one thing. I, I've taken some some crap from you on my LSU over wins for the season, but, <laughs> and now we're on track again. So I know there was, there was some doubts. You are on track now. I thought do. about that today. I, I, yeah, I, I can't believe it. I, I, I didn't believe it. You didn't either. But now here we are. <laughs> um, go Tigers. So I've got three games just straight up this weekend. Um, my three-unit bet is going to be Coastal plus three against App State at home. Uh, I still am a believer. I love the mascot riding a four-wheeler out onto the field <laughs> in Dirty Myrtle. Also, App State has played some horrible football. Uh, after you know escaping College Station and beating Troy with College Game Day in town, 
I mean, they blew uh, a 28-3 lead, which uh, vindicates me as a Falcons fan somewhat. But, uh, is that Friday action or is that minute? Saturday? I believe it's Saturday. Dang, you might, you might be onto something there on Friday. Um, Two-unit game. I'm going to go Texas Tech TCU over at 69. Uh, I think a lot of points are going to be scored between those two teams. 69 is a big number, but I believe both of these teams might hit that early in the fourth quarter. Um, One-unit game this weekend. I'm going Tulane minus 7.5 at Tulsa. I uh, appreciate the uh, Tulane call-out uh, from one of y'all earlier. Willie Fritz is a great coach. They're playing some good ball this season. I think they're going to go into Tulsa and win by more than seven and a half points. I like it. I like it. I don't know. I I would never have bet any of those games because I know nothing about those teams, but I might follow you, especially if the three-unit hits. I might just follow you on three-unit anyway. All right, team. All right, I will uh, finish this out here. Um, Taylor, I love the coastal pick. That was the first thing I had on there. Did you say three and a, did you get it at three point three and a half or did you get it three? I got okay, three. Okay, yeah, three is what I had. So coastal plus three, home game, dirty myrtle, like you mentioned. Jamie Chadwell, East Tennessee zone. Uh, he was actually when Tennessee was in the in the market. Thank God we got Hypel, but I, I don't know what dirt Chadwell has hidden under the rug. But the fact that he is not at a pop, like a power five school right now is, is incredible to me. Um, they still have Grayson McCall. Uh, and, and like you said, I think they're just a much more consistent team. They, they've had some close ones. They obviously lost. Um, I don't know who they lost to this year, but they lost They've lost one game, right? Yeah. Uh, it might be two, but I, I definitely know they've lost okay. one. Well, regardless, I, I'm going to take Jamie Chadwell. Um, <laughs> And Coastal, uh, there, plus three. Um, I guess I didn't do I'm, – I'm just going to say one unit for all these picks. But um, Okay. Uh, next game I really like is – I like Mississippi State minus 12.5 at Auburn. Um, I think that's at – is it – shoot, is it not at home? Uh, Mississippi State at home versus – sorry. Yeah, okay. Auburn okay, at Mississippi cool. State. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Scared me. Uh, you know, Mississippi State's had some up and downs this year, but they're going to score points. Auburn, uh, you know, like we've like we've mentioned, obviously Harson's out, and I think what we didn't mention earlier is they've. I mean, they have kids transfer. They kids are already in the portal. They they are losing players left and right. I think they've lost like like twenty plus players already this season. So, uh, I mean, they are definitely one hand tied behind their back. Um, so I I just think that's that's a no brainer. Um, maybe the first half. I mean, I don't know what the first half spread is there, but I. That might be a little more attractive than the than the full game spread, but I'm going to just go ahead and go with the minus 12 and a half. Uh, and then my last pick is going to be uh, Kentucky minus one and a half at Missouri. Um, don't even know if you consider that an away game. Missouri is the worst stadium, which is hard to beat. Uh, hard to beat Mizzou for this, but that is the worst stadium in the SEC. Uh, there's little. It literally looks like a high school stadium. Uh, I know some people when I used to live in Memphis that went to. Como for a game, and it, I mean, it's horrible. So I, I don't see Kentucky having issues there. I think they'll run the ball. Uh, I think they had a bad game against Tennessee. I think their offensive line will figure it out, and I think they'll just run it down Mizzou's throat. I don't think Will Levis needs to be anything special to win that game. Uh, and I, obviously, they're, they're motivated coming off that embarrassing uh, loss. I think they know they can play better. Um, so I'm going to take Kentucky minus one and a half at Mizzou. 
I don't mind it. I like bounce back game. I like all those all those picks. I have a question for both of y'all though, since you both have the Miss State and Auburn game. Is there any concern about that weird phenomenon where a coach gets fired and then the team plays better the next weekend? I thought about it because I mean that's happened a good bit the past few seasons it where happened to Wisconsin. They seem unburdened. Yeah, Georgia Tech. Uh, well, I think put two, three victories back to back to back. The question uh, is, I mean, did Wisconsin do it at home? Like, this is on the road, which is the only, like, another reason why I took it. I don't know where Wisconsin did. I mean, I know Tech beat Pittsburgh on the road, which was just a miracle. So, uh, for how bad that roster is. Um, uh, yeah, I, I'm just that will be the only thing is Cadillac got something up his sleeve, uh, inspiration wise th- that we don't know about that you know maybe Harson wasn't wasn't getting done. Yeah, I think be a nightmare. I think my my only my my saving grace there is the attrition that they've had. I mean, I I just don't think you can. Uh, I mean, literally, I, I was uh, I was uh, doing a work thing with with an Auburn grad who's who's very in tune with their program, and he was just. He couldn't stop talking about how many players have hit the portal. Um, I, I mean, motivation only gets you so far, and I think if you're losing players left and right to a, and, and you got a competent Mississippi State team, who I will give you this. I mean, I think their offense is much more, you know, fly high or crash uh, than than Tennessee <laughs> is. Um, I, I just have a hard time seeing them lose at home to a, an Auburn team where, you know, even. They're in so they have so much to overcome to get this figured out with the boosters. They uh, they got good for them for grabbing Mississippi State's uh, AD, which which maybe that plays some to it. I don't know. That's a that's kind of a weird coincidence that they just hired that is yeah. weird. Mississippi State's AD, but I don't know if the players actually care about that. But uh, uh, I don't know. I, I just I just like that that number. I think Mississippi State's going to score a ton of points on them. Uh, and we'll see what Auburn can do, but I just don't see them keeping up. Love it. I I, I like it too. I'm ready to get rich I this like week. Too. I'm due. Uh, do you guys have any honorable mentions? Oh, um, UNC minus seven you know, and a half I, jumped out to me at, at Virginia. I liked the Clemson Notre Dame over at forty four and a half. I, I don't know. I, that just seemed like a low number for me. Low number to me. With the way Clemson can score if they start getting hot, and you know, Notre Dame has some talent. I mean, they're just not miserable all the time, and they looked so much better against Syracuse home game. I feel like forty-four and a half is a number. It might be really close. It might be something we eke out at the end, but uh, that might be an over that I would take. And Luke trained me properly to stop taking as many over-unders as I used to <laughs> uh, on my betting journey. But uh, that just seems low to me. That seems low to me. I've not checked the weather. That could be playing into it, uh, unbeknownst to me. But 44 and a half, I feel like these schools will at least put up, you know, 20 to 27 points each. And once the once the scoring starts flowing, like, it's just a matter of time, right? It's not going to – they're not yeah. going to be able to – Put the toothpaste back in the tube. No. No. All right, guys. That was good. Let's uh, wrap it up, and, and we'll see how this uh, Tennessee and Georgia game unfolds. So, it's been thank fun. You is, for, this the uh, longest, joining. is this the longest podcast you've ever had? At an, I mean, For sure. Okay. That for was sure. a good conversation. That was good. No, it's, it's interesting when I'm not talking. I get to listen. So, 
Well, and you didn't get a Wake Forest filibuster, too. Just think if it had been Louisville, we wouldn't even be on the Tennessee-Georgia game yet. I would be espousing <laughs> the virtues of Dave Clawson's offensive system to y'all. God. So, um, yeah. it's uh, Tanner, are you coming down to the game? No, I'm at a wedding, unfortunately. So I Nightmare. will be watching on a phone. It's going to be horrible. Oh, God. Yeah, the guy who oh. planned it, he won't listen to this, so I'm not worried about it. But, yeah, Bonehead moved to, to schedule the wedding. <laughs> Better or worse than being in the yeah. hospital? Oh, you're gonna have a TV. You'll be fine. Uh, okay. I have to like stand in front well, of people. Yeah, but you can drink though, Tanner. It is. I, I can tell you just. Are you know, telling me, baby? It is not it, socially. You can't drink at the hospital. Well, like no, no. Well, not, not only that, but ward. if she doesn't have the baby before the hospital, as he looks then, over like, his I'm shoulder, I'm kind of like, <laughs> yeah, I'm like, I'm like on call. No, I'm. Gonna, I told her I'm gonna massage her shoulders and I'm gonna tell her to hold up the phone like this so that push him <laughs> through the goal line <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's um we'll see she's not be awesome she said no jokes in the delivery room so well <laughs> hey luke once they get that epidural in you can do whatever you want okay all right just <laughs> make sure that goes in before kickoff that's the goal i love that's you sugar epidural before kickoff <laughs> <laughs> I, I love you too. Uh, <laughs> I give Aaron and I love you sugar on every podcast when I say something that could be questionable. All right, let's wrap it up. All right, guys, have a good uh, night. Uh, go Vols. Go Vols. Talk to you later. Bye. Bye. Y'all.